Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Psalm 78 is our verse for this series that God's going to grow us with today. Psalm 78 verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might, the wonders He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Man, let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. So we are concluding this series. We've talked uh, about the, the doctrinal, foundational places that must be established in our hearts and must be handed down. God's called us to to make a difference in our time. This is the time that God purposed you and I to live. We're called to make a marked difference in our time. And so we do so by receiving and allowing God's Spirit to meet us, not just with knowledge, but with application. Not just with an understanding of what we believe, but what it looks like to apply that in the energy of my life. What does it look like that that these, these doctrinal truths would be in operation? And when we do that, it goes from just head knowledge. The Apostle Paul says that the knowledge puffs up. If we stay with knowledge and it's just knowledge, then it gives opportunity to pride. We said love builds the church. Knowledge puffs up, but there is an application of the Spirit of God to the doctrine, what we believe that God is wanting to do in our lives. So we followed the the generational line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's interesting that that God, he, he refers to himself that way as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but then he leaves out Joseph. Why, why does he leave out Joseph? We got to talk about Joseph today a little bit. And I just want to say this about Joseph. We go from a family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the family become a people in Joseph. The family go into a a place, and here's the wonderful thing. In the hardest circumstances, multiplication grows like never before. Multiplication happens, and that is what is in us. You know that what is in you, you have been birthed into the church of Jesus Christ that can never be extinguished. That's what you're birthed into. Like this isn't just, hey, a nice thing that we do, a nice traditional thing. You are part of the body of Christ, which no government... No man, no authority on this earth can extinguish or speak against. The church will outlast them all. It's amazing. There wouldn't, Vegas, Vegas's odds on the church over outlasting and overthrowing the Roman government would not have been good odds. 
at the, the death, burial, and resurrection, there wasn't anybody saying that group of Jewish brothers, they're, they're going to change the world and, and outlast this empire that is greater than any that we've ever seen. And yet today, the church remains and is greater and stronger and moving across this earth. I want your hearts encouraged with this. This is what we've been birthed into. The doctrinal place that, that I want to speak from today is a word that, that is so devalued in our culture. And I'd say it this way. The worst job I ever had was a, I worked nights for this computer part uh, factory. And I had for 12 hours, I had to examine under this computer screen microscope computer parts <laughs> for 12 hours. And it didn't last long. <laughs> and they paid really well, but it didn't matter. <laughs> Because it was the worst job I ever had. I could not wait. Like, time went in the span of, like, if I can just make it to my break. If I can just make it to my break. And, like, supervisors, they were, they were there just really just to wake people up. <laughs> but you know what they told me when I went through orientation with them? They told me, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Isn't family just so overused in our culture? Like, welcome to the family. Jobs and, and Pilates classes and CrossFit gyms. Welcome, welcome to the family. I, I want today to be a day that the Holy Spirit separates, that there's been one voice that established and has talked about family from the beginning of time, and it's the voice of God. And his family is different than any other voice that would talk about family. And I don't want us to be lulled to sleep in apathy that this is family like another family. That job was a job that I, I, I thought, if this is family, get me out of here. I don't want to be part of this family. This is not good family. God's family is good family. Jesus put a, put an, a mandate on you and I. That, and I'm so thankful for this. Do you realize that the, the greatest testimony to an unbeliever is not how well I speak? That is, that is not on my shoulders. It is not how great our worship team does. The greatest testimony is not if we have a celebrity that's gotten saved giving his testimony. It's not that we have great children's ministry, and all those are wonderful things, but God said, Jesus said this, that the, the voice that would be the most convincing voice to an unbeliever that would point them to him is the way that you and I love each other. He put the onus on us. He said, it's our responsibility. It's not how well we do a weekend service. It's how we love each other. That is what would attract this world. John chapter 13, verse 34 is the context that Jesus said this. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is a shared responsibility. The word that Jesus uses is this it's, a, it's a, a, a word that we're pretty familiar with. If you've been around church a little bit, you hear this word for love, agape. 
And so we get familiar with it. I, I want to talk briefly about agape because this is the love that we're directed to, that we're held accountable to. This is the love that Paul rebuked the Corinthian church. He said, you left agape. You're suing each other. You've left that place. And so this word agape is one of four words, Greek words, that is used for love. And I want to go through them real quick. You had eros, which is sexual love. You have uh, phileo, which is friendship. You have storge, which is kind of like the nostalgic. We've had good times together, and there's a depth of relationship there. And then the Greeks interpreted uh, agape as kind of charitable giving. Jesus and the church took it to a whole place that the Greeks couldn't access. They said it is the sacrificial love that we cannot access outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a wonderful place because I want us to know definitively you cannot conjure up agape love. You can only receive it. And when you receive it, then you are able to carry it and transmit it to those around you. Agape love is what we're called to. It's uncommon. It's unconcerned with the self and, con and, and more concerned with the greatest good of another. It's not born out of, out of emotion, feelings, or familiarity, or even attraction. It comes from a surrendering of the will to the Spirit of God, requiring faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice, and I love this part, without expecting anything in return. Um, so Ann and I, we, we, um, we met with... Um, I say that we met. It always sounds past tense. We meet with marriage counselors. It's happening now. Is that okay if I admit that to you? <laughs> we have counseling happening in our marriage. And Anna's being helped so much. It's so good. <laughs> I'm using this example because it was like, I got called on some, some stuff. So we're talking, and... Um, and, and we're meeting with this, this married couple, the, the counselors that we're, we're meeting with. Uh, the man says to me, he's like, um, why, why are you doing things with a ledger? Why are you doing things expecting something in return? I was like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> She's doing that. <laughs> he said, no, you're doing that. He said, don't you realize that, that you do what God's called you to do without expecting anything in return from her? Oh. Awesome. This is agape love. And what we do with agape love is that we get out of the way and we make room for God to meet us and his love to meet that void that we cannot fill. This is a sacrificial love. First Peter says that this is what we've been birthed into. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people... But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The belief is family. 
And really, it's not just believing that we are family. It is believing that God will empower us to live as family. His definition of family, not ours. I want to point you to two resources that, that will be very helpful for you. And every time that, that I read these books, I was reading through them this, this last week in preparation for this weekend. They're so convicting. The first book is, is this. It's When the Church Was a Family by a professor named Joseph Hellerman, and, and it, it gives such great context to the, the way that people would have received what Jesus was saying. We're, we're very deadened to the idea of family in our, in our society because culturally we are very individualistic. We're so individualistic, and I'm telling you, every time I read and go through uh, this book, I, I get so convicted at how individualistic my thinking is. And there's things that, that we, there's ways that we, we view ourselves that, that are so foreign, and it, and it changes how the words of Jesus would have been received. Like we, we, we hear him say things, unless you hate your mother and brother and, and follow me and choose to be my disciple, you have no part of me. And we look at that and we're like, well, that's kind of harsh, but we do not understand how controversial that was. How controversial it was when, when his family came to him and he's ministering and they said, hey, your, your, your mother's here and your brothers are here. And you know what he said? He didn't say, okay, guys, I got to go. He said, who are my mother and my brothers but those who do the will of my father? Like the, these things, there would have been a gasp in the room how could you separate yourself from family? It was very group-first thinking. They didn't do things for individual. It wasn't a romantic idea of love was not Titanic or Jim and Pam or whatever other Christmas movie you've seen that puts us in love utopia. It wasn't that at all. It was, I'm doing this because this is best for my family. And so the, the, when the church was a family, it gives great context for that. The other that, that I've said over and over, and please, as your pastor, I'm begging you to read this book. It's called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Pastor Bonhoeffer was martyred during uh, the Nazi regime in, in uh, Germany, but he wrote this book before his death, and it was about the community that God's called us to live in. And the most important principle that I see from Life Together is this convicting place that Pastor Bonhoeffer called it the wish dream. And he said that, that you and I, every single person, comes into Christian community and we have this internal idea of what it should be like. We have this internal idea of, of how we should be with each other and how I should be valued and, and what's important. And, and all of us, we have this. And I love how, how Pastor Bonhoeffer deals with it. He says, unless the wish dream in us dies, no true biblical community can begin. Unless there is a, a place and a crucifixion of my will and my flesh and my preferences that I say, Jesus, not my way, but yours. Then no true growth together as the church of Jesus Christ can begin. There are three characteristics about agape love that God's Spirit wants to empower in us. I just want to highlight three today. 
that what should happen in God's family, the first is that we should grow together. Now, we, we commissioned group leaders together today. We saw that. We did that. And, and I want you to hear, that's not just a nice thing that churches have. Like, this is our opportunity to be genuine and be open and, and, and we want to set a, a high standard for that. I'm so thankful for, for Brandon and Morgan that it would be very easy for them to say, no, this is our business. But to say, no, I would rather be vulnerable about this so that faith would be united, that Jesus would be lifted up. This is what we're called to do. We're called to walk together. Groups is a wonderful vehicle for that. First Peter 2 says this in verse 4, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. I, I want to meddle with something real quick. You know, there, there's a, a moniker that is popular now that... A lot of YouTube videos are going into, TikTok videos, all, all, all of that. That there is this place where, where hurt and, and division that has happened in churches is being talked about. We talk about church hurt. And it's real. But, but I, but I want to say this really, really blatantly with you. If I had not taken the church hurt that, that I had to Jesus... I would not be standing here today. So you can hang on to it, or you can take it to the cross and allow the only holder of justice that is faithful and true to meet you in it. And I'm not making less, less or light of what you may have experienced. I'm saying you got to take it to the right place. The building together is not a YouTube video group, a comment section of those that have been wounded and hurt and want to lash back out. There is a uniting as living stones that, that, that God wants to bring, and this is agape love. Y'all, I'm so thankful that, that people, that believers in my life did not keep and hold me to who I was at early stages. Grace isn't grace unless it causes some demand on us to extend it. Unless there's a, a sacrificial place, like you can read Genesis to Revelation, there's not a pretty picture of sacrifice in there. It's all ugly. There's death in all of it. And this is where the Lord calls us to. And so I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what does sacrifice look like in my life today? What does it look like for me to sacrifice my preferences, my time, what I think I need to be brought in, to be built together as living stones to the body of Christ? You've heard me say this before. I want to say it again. There's life in you that people around you need. I, I, am, I am amazed over and over and over at the transformation that happens when people will step in, even when their own minds are arguing with them, saying, I, I'm not ready for that. God, you haven't done enough in me yet. I don't even know if I can pray good enough to be in a group or with people. And then you watch them step in and God transforms lives through them and transforms their life at the same time. 
I guarantee you, I'm going to throw a percentage here. I have no idea if it's accurate. 70% of our group leaders probably internally are going, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> you can ask them yourself. <laughs> How do you know that? Because I say that. And there's this wonderful moment that I get to go like, oh, good. It doesn't rest on my shoulders. Lord, I release this, this to you. This is your church. It rests on your shoulders. Would you fill this place? There's life in you that those around you need. And let me say it this way. There's life around you that you need. And you're not going to access it simply on a weekend. It's being built together. The next thing that we're asking God's Spirit to meet us in, in this place of family, is the power to serve. As the church is launched... Acts chapter 2 captures this beautiful moment. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, serving is the most faithful place for us to go. When you're in the midst of heaviness and you're in the midst of this place of, of wondering, what do I do? God, are you with me? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell every single one of you, He will meet you in serving. He will meet you when you begin to lift your eyes and say, I, I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation, but I'm going to look beyond myself right now. Our lives are transformed when we're willing to step into that place. Kyle was telling me this last week, Pastor Kyle was telling me this great testimony of a, of a, a guy in, in Cape that was new to the church, and, and he was in, and, and he, came, he came to Kyle, and he just said, hey, we're moving, and do you know anybody I could hire? Is there anybody in the church I could hire to help me? And Kyle went to his men's group and said, hey, guys, this, this brother's uh, moving. Twelve guys showed up on moving day and ministered to the hearts of a family about what it looks like to love one another well and what it looks like to serve one another well. Man, that makes me proud. I love that. I love that there is no, there is no, and Kyle said he was like, hey guys, we, we yes, we'll be there. To serve one another. Our hearts are transformed when we do that. And again, this, this is a place that's empowered by the Spirit of God. This isn't going out and, and reading Atomic Habits and trying to work this into our life. This is saying, Holy Spirit, will you breathe this into me? The last place I want us to look at, agape love filling the church, is this family empowered with the power to forgive. And this is, this is real stuff. This isn't, I'm not talking about situations that, that, are, that are far and 
back in your past. I'm talking about situations that today you would say, my life is trying to be destroyed. That there are people trying to destroy me. And it, you know, Paul reserves such a severe rebuke for the Corinthians church. He, First Corinthians, he deals with them over and over and over. He deals with them in allowing sexual sin to, to flourish in the church and no one's saying anything about it. And he deals with them about uh, that, that believers were, were as, as those that have been birthed into the family of God, were reverting back to the culture that they came out of and were suing each other for personal gain. And again, this is a work of the Spirit. This is a work of the Spirit for a believer to go, hmm, I choose this. I choose to be filled with agape love over my own personal gain. But when we do that, God's Spirit meets us. And He empowers us. So you, you may be in the middle of, a, of a, a situation right now where when I say forgiveness, there's something in you that goes, not yet. And I just want to tell you, forgiveness is not a bomb that you drop and everything goes away. It is a ground war that you wage daily. And God's Spirit wants to meet you in that. He wants to meet you with, with endurance and power because, listen, this is not a, about your, your natural resources and your physical body and, and, and these places. You look, what if I lose this? What if you lose your soul? You know what's at stake when unforgiveness thrives? Our soul's at stake. Jesus said, don't fear those that can kill the body. Don't fear those that can take your possessions. Fear God. And it's in that place that, that the Lord's not, He's not okay with you losing your soul in the bitterness of unforgiveness. So where do we go? We take these situations and we, we take them to the cross. If we can do that, if we can walk to the cross and we can take the, those burdens that we're carrying, we can take the people that fill our hearts and saying, Lord, this isn't just, this isn't fair, this isn't right. And we can take it to the cross because you know what happens at the cross? We're, rem we're reminded of how we've been forgiven. Man, when I see that clearly, the, the, the power, the strength that I need to extend forgiveness, it's not hard to find, it's there. I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to take the places that, that, are, that are messing with your soul, the places that have you torn up, that you're holding on to. And I want us to walk to the cross of Jesus Christ and know that He takes care of His family. And He holds justice. And He's not passive with what we release to Him. And he's not passive with your heart. He's not passive with your soul and the peace that he wants to bring and breathe into you. I want to finish this way. So every, every week we've, in this series, we've talked about a doctrinal belief. So the belief today is family, defined by God, empowered by God. The practice is agape. And I simply want to lead us in this, is just 
making room, saying, Holy Spirit, would you empower me? I lay down my will for yours, my way for yours. Would you fill me with your agape love today? And he's faithful to meet us in this place. He's going to fill each one of us as only he can with agape love. And you know who the builder of the church is? It's not you or I, it's him. He builds us, he builds us together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to lead us in, in two prayers as we finish. The first of, is this. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into the family of God. I want to invite you to know His love. I want you I want to invite you to, to know what it is. Psalm 68 says that God puts the lonely in families. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and there's something in your heart going, I, I want that. I want, I want to be in this family. I want to know that my heart is held by Jesus. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down as soon as you raise it up. Thank you. I want you to know that that that's God's Holy Spirit just telling you how much He loves you. He's not okay with you continuing in life outside of His family, outside of His Spirit meeting you, empowering you, filling you, speaking peace over you. I want us to pray together. So church, right where you're at, we're going to pray together. And if you responded, you lift your hands. I want you to pray out loud with us. We're going to pray together. We're going to bring our hearts to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Say, Jesus. Come on, say it strong. Jesus, I believe in you as God's son. The one who ended the separation between God and man. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive your invitation to be brought into family. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody praise God together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every single one of you that raised your hands, I want you to have this expectation right now. God's meeting you in your life. You don't have to question your eternal security. You don't have to question, am I going to go to heaven? When we respond 
and we're willing to say, Jesus, I see you as God's son. He meets us. You are in his family. You have been brought in, and your life will never be the same. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.